A yellow jeep flies down a New York thruway. Driven by a charming man. Hell-bent on preserving his secrets. Christopher, what did you do? So what did you do? This is D, and this is Charnel, and um, I am I, cu- so I was trying calm. to cut her off. <laughs> like, Why? Like, because I didn't want any foolery. No, like, <laughs> I no, no I no came fuckery. back from vacation nice and calm, so there's no foolery. I'm just relaxed. Well, there, well, there's a lot of foolery on vacation. I have neither here nor there. Hey, it's like but, I went on vacation. <laughs> palm trees, water. Palm trees, water. What? sound um, like that like, you're, <laughs> you're a mix between hood rat and long island girl like harry potter wizarding world what um, what hood rat long island girl went to harry potter world you, and universal all right i grew up in a house this is character development you guys this is what this is this is what it is <laughs> this is a character arc and i feel like since prince zuko we talked about that last episode on yes. with elliot roger probably the best uh, I love that episode. Art. I that was a good episode. Sorry. I enjoyed Elliot Roger. Like listening, like I obviously I edited it, but <laughs> <laughs> listening back to it, uh, it was fun to listen to. And I really think that adding some of the audio clips added some dimension, your word, not mine, to <laughs> to the show. But yeah, guys, we're back for episode twelve. And this uh, this particular case was fun to think about because there's some weird fools. I don't listen. So this is a Charnel pick, and I'm it always all- is. <laughs> not all every case but like the ones that are that get weird yeah the ones that are I... messed up are usually like char and Michelle I, Blair I was dun, dun, dun. on vacation I literally read, read Wikipedia and I was like okay let's see what this case is about I didn't see anything crazy I I'm, I don't know if Wikipedia went into it much but then I went to Reddit and saw pictures and I was like this is a Charnel case I love I love the gory stuff, man, and it's gory, it's a problem. Random. I love driven. I, just, just you should see the other ones that I've got. I've got a list of things in my notes app and my things phone of to cases. Fuck up D. Right, things that make you have to watch Steven Universe when you leave. <laughs> like I I love it a lot. I just but I'm excited to talk about this one because yeah, it's, it's fun. It's a good um, one. It's, it's a, actually kind of reflection of my life. It's a little mirror. <laughs> Mirror, you see Dee's face. Uh, it <laughs> I is was not. Like, so? <laughs> I promise you, I am not this kind of person. I don't. Um, I'm not a killer, but don't push me. Remember that. That's a, I'm close to the uh, edge. edge. What cartoon was that? When it was, they, like, yeah, yeah, they. Uh, that wasn't Baby's Kids. What was that? It was a cartoon. Don't push me. No, it was Happy Feet. Yeah, that is. That is, that is yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. so fucked up. Oh God! So we just we had some housekeeping. We want to get out of the way really quick though, because. I love cleaning. My apartment's usually nice and neat. Mine but this is week, not. I don't want to say anything about who we are and what we do, but one of us like kind of lives alone and spends a lot of time alone. <laughs> um, so one of us does not spend much time alone anymore. So there's always some big hulk of man in their apartment, not mine, because I'm single AF. Um, Why are you such a mess? I'm a little bit of a hater. Like <laughs> a little I, bit. I've, I've I've taken to calling myself a righteous hater. Yo, um, you were I feel like you were hating on me on vacation, Loki. Oh, because I wasn't on vacation. That's everybody. When you No, I'm some, talking about Kissel. I'm talking about I am so can we talk about that? <laughs> so we we stan if you don't don't know what stan means, it is slang. 
Um, it's in reference to the Eminem song, Stan, talking about the guy who wrote him and he never right. wrote back. Hey, Slim, I wrote you, never wrote me back. Uh, Stan is a reference to someone that you love and you fangirl support a, hardcore. A righteous supporter. Like me and Beyonce. We stand for the last podcast on the left. Yes, we do. And this heifer decided to go to Orlando last week. And in the TSA line, behind her was none other than Ben Kissel from last podcast on the left. And I woke up at 6.40 that morning ready to take my black ass to work. And I was like, why do I have three text messages from D this early? Did her plane light crash on the runway? What the hell? Like, why? I was like, is why? she asking me for a ride to the airport because hers didn't come through? Like, all these things went through my mind. But it was a fucking picture of her and Ben Kissel. And my heart leapt because I love seeing my friends do good things and have good experiences. So I'm like, that's so awesome. But I was also super jealous. So I was like... You were freaking out so much, more than I could even, like, I don't think I had processed it yet, and I didn't expect you to see it that early. I knew you had to go to work, and I sent it, like... You know I get up early. Right. I sent it, like, really fucking early, and I'm like, oh, he's gonna wake up and, like, shit his pants. Mind you, we're in TSA line, and I'm actually having a discussion with Ben, and we had a really good discussion about child welfare and stuff like that. I don't know if I was forming sentences, because, like, I was was in between... Yeah, it was super early. I was like... (laughs) hot in the TSA line, like, taking up layers of clothes as I'm talking to him, like, totally forgetting my boyfriend exists as he, like, carries all my bags as I'm talking to Ben. As he should. (laughs) And, no, we had a really great discussion, and I was like, I look like shit right now, but if I don't take this picture... Charnel is gonna fuck me up. Like that's all because I wouldn't have believed you either. Like you could, you. I know you're not one to lie, but if you would have said I met Ben Kissel, we had a rousing conversation discussion about child welfare and society. I'd be like, well, that sounds like shit. Um, it sounds like a hunk of bullshit. It sounds like something out of Elliot Rogers' mouth. And the picture is really what sold me. I was like, well, goddamn, that is Ben Kissel. Um, and, and then he put it on his Instagram. Right, he did. Which is like, uh, titties which, and thank all. You, ben. Just. <laughs> My titties are so famous. Um, I loved, I loved that. Oh god, that was no. Such a great... I did. I really enjoyed meeting somebody who's like, you know, more popular than us doing the work and just having that discussion with him about podcasting. How about... tall really was he? You know what? You know it. So because that's funny. the thing. Because you think he's a giant, but the way no, they talk about him, no. Okay, no. He's taller than I. He, yeah, he is he's taller got, than six, you. Seven, but like, six, I, I have an ex that was like, he's not that. I, have a, I feel like I had exes. I had two guys that I would dealt with that were taller than him. So okay. it was like you it was, tree chaser. You <laughs> it was like yeah. But then like that's why I was like okay. Well, this guy is tall. I I didn't rec- like I was I was like this guy looks familiar. Um, am I gonna look on Instagram right now to verify like face? I was like no, go for it. It has to be Ben Kissel. This guy is pretty tall white guy. Like well, there's he's just, tons of tall white guys. right. But like I was just like this looks like him. This look, and you know, like, so I was like, I'm going for it. So I just asked, and I did. And it was him. And, I'm um, jealous still. Yes, yeah, yeah. I'm so angry about this, but it's awesome. And Such a down to earth, nice person. Like, so nice. You know what? I, I imagine so. And you know what? I realized. Unfortunately, it was in the TSA line, too. That's fine. I, I realized that asking you how tall someone is. It's hard when you're a short person because then everyone just seems tall. He, You're like, I used to sleep with guys. I, used sleep. I, you, I used to date guys. I have like three. That, I'm like, lying. That's like, not what I'm so saying. Many of I'm, them. I'm, I'm being you. I used to date tall guys. I used to date a guy who was like six seven. So I don't even know if Ben Kissel was like six seven. In my head, he looked like he was about six four. I'm like, no, like he probably was six seven, six eight. I don't trust you. You're short. But anyway, you got some. 
<laughs> We've got actual housekeeping things to get rid of because yes. that story took a long time. Um, you guys who listen to this show, who show up every other week, uh, you guys have a name, thanks to my coworker. Um, randomly put him on the spot. I was just, hey, Tom. Shout out to Tom. You don't hey, listen. Hey, Tom. Thank you, Tom. <laughs> you did it. Okay. That's not, nah, the, that's not your voice. But I'm going yeah. with the voice. That was almost it. It was. I'm it. just trying. Hey, Tom. Th- you know, <laughs> uh, but Tom, no. I asked him. I was like, if you had a show called What Did You Do? What would you call the people who listen to it? And he was like, only thing I can think of is What Did You Crew? So you guys are now officially the What Did You Crew until you tell me otherwise. Um, then I'll call you whatever your preferred names are. Um, so other thing I wanted to shout out everybody, shout out to everyone who kind of helped out our, what did you crew member Lola over the past week? Um, who's an awesome person. She's a teacher who went went to the internet saying, you know, as most teachers (laughs) in America today have trouble providing, yeah, providing supplies to their students because the districts and the school districts and things and their, uh, and their schools won't. So we showed up in in good numbers and provided her with notebooks and supplies. And I think that was really fucking awesome. So you guys are dope. It's a really like part of the reason we started this was to build community and we're really doing that. And that made me feel good um, as a person who advocates for community. And speaking of community, uh, we also started a Facebook group for the, what did you crew? Mm -hmm. I'm going to get tired of saying that because I'm going to start rhyming with it. Eventually you guys are going to be mad when I become a rapper. Um, they're <laughs> actually probably eat it up and love it <laughs> for all you guys to come together and kind of really just talk about cases. Um, and other things that kind of spur from the case, you know, all of the things we talk about, we like to talk about mental health. We like to talk about support systems and you guys can be that for each other. So I don't care if it's like mental health checks every once in a while, just supporting each other through whatever you guys are dealing with, or even just case ideas. Like I would love to see that happen. Right. Um, so get on there, throw your ideas around, throw your thoughts around. I will respond to you probably more so on Facebook than I do on Twitter because I don't understand Twitter. Well, speaking of Twitter, just <laughs> so I want to get it out of the way early too because <laughs> I, we all just throw it at the end. Uh, follow D on Twitter at D, D-E-E underscore light, L-I-G-H-T four. Follow me at Charnel B. It's C-H-A-R-N-E-I-L-B. I live on the timelines unlike D, so I'm always on Twitter. Ask anybody who tweets me. I will tweet you back because it's fun. Mm-hmm. Um, I love talking to strangers. Um, we also have merch now. So if you, you can go check it out on Public. There'll be a link in the show notes. There'll be stickers of phone cases, laptops, t-shirts, hoodies. It's dope. Um, also, we have a Patreon. And there are some really fun rewards that kind of starting out because we, he's like, we, we wanted to make sure that you guys had some accessible uh, uh, kind of rewards for this. Because you Um, guys deserve, because you guys support us. You guys are awesome. I love the the interaction. You guys say so many nice things about us and we're not used to attention at all. Not at all. That's not true. I'm not coping well with it. I'm sexy as fuck. So (laughs) I know. I'm used to people kind of telling me like, oh my God, if I could just sit on your face. (laughs) It just got rated X. It's whatever it is. <laughs> but no, check out our Patreon. There's some awesome rewards, guys. There For one of the tiers, you can get a sticker. One of them is a Skype call. Um, There's going to be one for a, t- for a free t-shirt one time. You <laughs> like, guys are not, not every- really invited to my house. You could be. Um, D <laughs> showed up at Lola's school, so it's yes, a thing. Yes, and thank you, Lola, for like you know welcoming me into her school with her shark student. I enjoyed it. I saw it. that picture. It was it's adorable. On, it's on I the Instagram. It. Yes, it's on the Instagram if you want to see. I so. don't like the shark as a mascot because I think sharks like it's, it doesn't matter. 
I don't. The sharks shark are threatening like, if you're in the environment. Like you're not threatening off. Well, it doesn't matter. I'll talk about it another day. <laughs> um, other side of that, other side of the Patreon guys, is we shout out to our first two patrons. I want to shout out Christine and shout out uh, to Emily, who has been hey, awesome. Christine. Hey, Emily. Your voice changed. Again. It just will. The, it will change. It will do what it wants during these shout outs, and you cannot control oh, it. Yeah, I guess I can. But shout out to you guys. <laughs> Emily has been awesome throughout this whole process of what did you do. So shout out to you guys. Um, I said it, Bro. and you know, Christine, just because you're dope, you will be getting a sticker as well. Um, so you guys, check out the Patreon if you want to help us and support us in that way. Uh, that's the way that you could do it that way. We, we'd appreciate it. We appreciate you. Some of this takes some work, um, equipment, hosting fees, all that stuff, but check it out. Um, and now on to the important part of the show. The case. The case. Whew. I'm out of breath. <laughs> you, you did so well. Applaud um, that. Applaud that. I tried. I was just trying to get through it. You know, that's all I'm doing. So I'm just, I'm a worker. I'm a pusher, Katie. Um, name that movie. So... <laughs> This is a really, really, really cold night on November 15th of 2004. Right. <laughs> That's not funny. It, it, you know, I laughed at you. 2004 Why? was a, oh, I'm sorry. I was like, was it a good year for you? No, you know, oh, what was I doing in 2004? Uh, failing, Being an adult. Failing out of school? That sounds right. Much like our guy. So, <laughs> right. 2004. Connections. Police discovered the body of 52-year-old law clerk Peter Porco on the first floor of his Del Mar, New York home. Mm-hmm. He had some major uh, facial and head injuries, consistent with those of an axe. Yes. Um, and they would also find his wife, Joan, upstairs, still alive, having been the victim of the brutal attack as well. Blood was definitely everywhere in this place. They found it on several floors. The detectives were trying their best to piece together what exactly happened because um, it look, was everywhere. And yeah, they, looking at the crime scene photos. It was like I, when I look. Well, when you look at the crime scene photos for this, you definitely know the place happened or the attack happened in the bedroom because that right. is where it's saturated and then you see blood just, literally but that's the, the thing house. is like how because usually when you see blood when an attack happens in a bedroom right usually you know it stays there mm-hmm. and then there's like bloody footprints or right. you know or it has to end somewhere so maybe they get attacked mm-hmm. downstairs run upstairs and then they finish the job in a bedroom like but it just looked like it was in the most mundane ridiculous places and we'll get to that right so so they came to a conclusion that this was definitely an attacker somebody right. attacked them in the bedroom and well, they- I mean, Avi. Avi. And- <laughs> the family dog went wild. Like, <laughs> rabies and stuff. <laughs> what kind of dog is this? Like, one of those, like, Mastiffs? Because it Cujo only had to is be- what I went to. You know, Steven Spielberg. Oh. Right? No. That was- right? No, I- Stephen King, Charnel shit. <laughs> oh, Steven okay, Spielberg. Yeah. Uh-huh. Stephen King, Cujo. You never read Cujo? No. But the wild dog? Mm-mm. Ripped every well. we'll I like Stephen King, but I never read Cujo. I'm sure some some of the I'm sure a lot of the listeners have read (laughs) and seen Cujo. Probably it's a great book. Go watch it. So (laughs) detectives tried their best to piece together this scene because it was everywhere. I mean, they found blood in the kitchen, hallways, bathroom, at the front door, outside a little bit. So So, yeah. So they decided this is what they theorized was that this intruder had -hmm. entered the home, but. (laughs) <laughs> had disabled the alarm and retrieved the axe from the garage. So right right there, you know it's somebody who knows the code. Someone, it's an inside that's, job. That's an inside job. So there's, there's your little... Right. The attacker... Uh, oops, I'm sweating. The attacker <laughs> uh, went upstairs, enters the couple's bedroom, stood on Joan's side of the bed, attacking Peter first, striking him and Joan dozens of times with the axe. With the axe. Then left the axe, stuck in the foot of the bed. <laughs> 
Um, and then went out into the backyard, cut the phone wires, and fled the scene. Which makes it odd, you know, that mm-hmm. <laughs> once the attacker left, mm-hmm. it just seems like the job was kind of unfinished. Like, right. usually if you go to murder someone, and it's if this was a serial killer or something like that, usually you stay until you finish what you came to do. And make sure that the people you attacked are gone for sure. Are actually dead. Try to make sure you didn't leave any trace of anything around. But it was kind of quick. Yeah, and this is and this is also what happens. is This is when they start theorizing, mm-hmm. well, how the hell did all this blood get around? Right. And so what they thought was that, and what seems to be the running theory, is that Peter actually regains consciousness after these, after this, like, vicious, brutal attack. If you could see... I don't know if we should post pictures of the crime scene, but you guys can go find them. I, you probably will. I it's fine. Uh, I don't know what I, which one I would post. I don't want to post the less, victim because right. it's too don't much. Don't post the victim. Post um, like scenes. It would have to. Be, I don't even know. Like Maybe the less like, bloody one. Like it would have to be the kitchen. Yeah, thank you. That's, That's the, the one, one that I would think. Yeah. So they say that he regains consciousness and, in a state of shock, um, from his injuries, he goes to the master bathroom. He kind of goes to the mirror. Um, and by the amount of blood on the sink and everything around it, it seems like he kind of just stood there, maybe mm-hmm. looking at himself, looking which at is something. Yeah, which so I like, equate that to. Have you ever been like wasted at a bar and mm-hmm. you have to go pee, mm-hmm. and you look at yourself like, "What the fuck is happening? What are you doing?" <laughs> like, it no, doesn't that, happen this is, like no, that for this me. This is not even a funny part. I'm actually being serious. No, I, it doesn't happen uh, that way for me. Go, but I usually look in the mirror I'm like, "It's so pretty." Well, that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> But this is like that moment where you don't even like you're like what are you doing? What, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You you're not out okay. Of body, like, like, yeah. yeah, that's what I imagine. Like this kind of like out of body, kind of like feeling everything from a distance mode he was in. Right. And it's just like goes to the bathroom, stands there, um, and then it says he went down the hallway, he went down the stairs, mm-hmm. um, and <laughs> kind of goes through. He kind of stumbles his way through and through his normal morning routine. It seems like he tried to empty the dishwasher. Mm-hmm. Um, seems like he started to make his lunch. Pack his lunch for the day. Um, and then he even, they, they theorize that he opens the door and kind of looks out because they found drops of blood right. on the porch as well. So what we're saying is Peter, who was bludgeoned by an axe while bludgeoned, while I think he even suffered for a broken jaw from this, like yeah. on top of it, literally went through his morning routine as if nothing happened or he hadn't realized anything happened. There was no call to, um, nine one one. None of that happened. He just went about his business, not realizing he was bludgeoned by an axe. Not realizing he was also bleeding out. So then, you know, towards the end of this, he collapses because of blood loss, weakness, right. and he succumbs to his injuries and dies mm-hmm. at the foot of the stairs. Mm-hmm. And with Joan still alive upstairs. Upstairs. So wife is still alive upstairs. Suffering. Miraculously, right. like which is its own, From her it's his own blessing. You know, in a, in a strange, uh, kind of convoluted and unfortunate well, way. Well, you know, you heard the theory that it's her staying in bed that kept her alive. Right. Had Peter stayed, stayed in, in bed, bed, he might have lived as well. It was the it was the the stress he was putting on his body. Right. And because when you start being, people will tell you if you ever suffer any major traumatic injury. I've had a friend who had been like impaled by a fence post once, like trying to. Yeah, it was weird. Like it was like a broken fence when we were kids, and it just got him in the side. And the first thing they tell you to do is like not move. Right. Like one, you don't want to dislodge or just disturb anything and right. rupture or something. But also, like once you start shocked. moving, your blood starts. Mm-hmm. Your heart's already racing yeah. because you're starting to lose blood. And you're feeling so, right. Like, so the idea is that adrenaline was pushing him as yeah. well. So so there's a lot of things happening in that. So 
when police are at Detective Chris Bowdish, which Bowdish. I like that. Bowdish. I like Bowdish. that last name. I'm sorry. I'm he goes upstairs job. and he says that Joan had actually gestured mm-hmm. um, to come over. to him to come over. Yeah, she did. Um, she couldn't speak because of all the facial trauma. But he asks her questions as you as you would if someone's, you know, kind of coherent and, you know, conscious. You want to try to get information at that moment. And so she says, hey, you know, do, can you hear me? And she responds, yes, like mm-hmm. nods. Yes, nods, I can. Yes. I can hear you. Do you know who did this to you? And she, she again nodded, nods yes. again. And so he further is like, is it someone, you know, you know, blah, blah, blah. Um, was it Jonathan, her other son? She shook her head no. No. And he says, was it Chris Stiffer? And she nods yes. And now, also, this wasn't just his word. There were three uh, first responders. There's Kevin Robert, Jim Reagan, and Dennis Wood, who were also witnesses to this, mm-hmm. that said that, yes, they saw her responding to to his questions, which we'll go later on in the trial. We'll see mm-hmm. um, where there's a neurologist who, who comes in and kind of tries to dispute that, mm-hmm. um, at least the fact that her responding to commands and everything. I think what they should have done right there before, I mean, I know they were rushing to get an answer from her before she lost consciousness or yeah. whatever, but they should have asked, do you live here? Is maybe some questions that aren't related to what happened just to get the confirmation that she truly understands. Well, they did, but that's the thing. They did ask her other questions and she they did respond in kind. Okay. So because they, they did say that, but they like, never said what questions. Because I, yeah. I, I know I read through like articles yeah, and things, yeah. but they were never, I think probably because they weren't they pertinent. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think probably because they weren't pertinent to the investigation. But I think it's important that they put it out there to show that she did in fact understand what was going right. on at the time. And I think that, they also didn't expect her to live. Mm-hmm. And that was the reason, I think, why they were pressing for answers right away. Because right, if you, right. Like, if you would ima- can imagine what dozens and dozens of strikes from an axe would do to a person if her husband was found dead downstairs and the trauma that mm-hmm. they were treating, like, you would imagine that this was it. And right. actually, Bowdish actually thought, um, it's Bowdish. Bowdish actually believed that Bowdish. this would qualify mm-hmm. as a dying declaration because, right. and in court, so I'll, give you guys a de- uh, definition of that it's really it's a statement it's made by uh someone who is now unavailable that's either because they're unconscious or they're deceased um who made the statement under the belief of certain or impending death and the statement concerns the causes or circumstances of the impending death and that's based on the belief that people who are feel like they're going to die don't typically lie right so like that's they were hoping that that was going to be something that would hold weight in court that way it's not hearsay that way it's not something that can be tossed out um, by the judge or by the courts. So mm-hmm. this is, this is really, I think that was really the reason why, mm-hmm. um, you know, he really, uh, they really wanted to get into that with her. Right. But also, you know, once the investigation started, once they're looking around, like, there's no sign of forced entry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so like, they know, like, there had to be someone who knew the family. Right. Aside from the, the alarm code being disabled, there was a spare key, um, that was typically hidden in the flower pot by the front entrance in the front door and the alarm was disabled with the master code. It mm-hmm. wasn't like I have a guest code to my best friend's house. I don't mm-hmm. know his master code. Right. So if you know the master code, you probably live there. Right. <laughs> and you know, the house wasn't tossed. The purse was still there. There was no Mo money you know, was taken. Money, Check, jewelry, checkbook nothing, and everything was visible. Nothing was taken. Um, the only thing is he did 
like break the alarm system, I guess, oh, yeah. crack the alarm he system. He smashed it hoping that it would look, look like, like they, they were trying to they turn it tell, off. Or like they couldn't tell it who put it somewhere. in. It but goes somewhere. But yeah, there's a, a there, every every alarm system has a hub somewhere in the home, whether it's in a closet, whether it's in a basement. This one particular one was in the basement. Right. And so, yeah, so the information was already sent. It was disarmed by this code at this time, time on this day. Right. It was already saved somewhere and he wasn't aware of that. Right. And so, yeah, so now this investigation really picks up. So they start asking these questions. Where are their two sons? Jonathan, mm-hmm. who is currently, was currently, I think still currently a naval officer, yeah, was, was. Based, was based in South Carolina. Right. So he was miles and miles, miles away. away. Right. But not Christopher. No, Christopher was <laughs> at the University of Rochester in school about 200 miles away. Um, that's about four hours. I mean, it depends on who's driving. If it's me. You know, if it's, <laughs> it depends on where I need to be. Do I have a monster? Um, <laughs> am I listening to what kind of music? If I'm listening to like Panic at the Disco, which don't judge me, guys, for whatever reason makes me want to be a damn speed demon. And <laughs> I turn to fucking Jeff Gordon and wait, who that might not be irrelevant. My baseline. Who drives now? I don't know. Who's a know. famous driver? Jimmy Johnson? Uh, Dale Earnhardt Jr. Dale Earnhardt. Is he? I think he'll do he, I think he'd be tired. I have a friend who watches NASCAR. I don't I don't because it's not my thing. <laughs> like, Me neither. I drive fast every day. It's like whatever. <laughs> well, I don't um, need NASCAR. That's regular life. Right. You should see no, me. No, I'm a left foot too. That's why uh, the boyfriend drove the rental because I didn't trust myself. Here we go. Bringing up the boyfriend. So here we- <laughs> <laughs> You brought him up first. Yeah, earlier. like 20 minutes <laughs> ago. The well, fuck? Just, this Look, is relevant to what we're talking about. At least. Well, either way, they were looking for the sons specifically because of all the information all the, you know, the alarm code, the fact that Joan had nodded, yes, it was Chris. And also, typically when it comes to facial trauma, it usually means there's something personal, personal involved. Personal, like... Like, this is something that you want them to, like, you want to see them suffer. This is something that you need to see. You want them to feel you, see you before. There's a lot of things that go into destroying someone's face. So, yeah, we we find Chris 200 miles away at the University of Rochester. And he gets a call. Yeah, from and this is which this is a is fucked kind up of way fucked up to find out if, if it if, wasn't him. If it wasn't Chris, it's a fucked up way to find out that your parents had been attacked and your right. father has passed away mm-hmm. uh, or killed. I'm sorry mm-hmm. because someone took it from him. It didn't happen naturally. Right. Um, is that a local reporter called asking if he had any comment on his parents being murdered? Which is like a bombshell. Like I remember the call I got when my mom passed away, mm-hmm. and it was from my sister, and that was like a punch to the stomach now imagine a reporter who has no, no stake in you no concern about your well-being at all is doing a professional kind of respect respectable courtesy to you like i know it's a tough time but um can you tell me about how you feel about your parents being murdered and he's just like right. bitch what right whose parents right like and just the most ridiculous thing and then you know jonathan got the call in the naval base but chris got a ride from the uncle uh, to the hospital to see his mom now this is also something i want to talk about because i watched romeo killer mm-hmm. uh the story of chris porco as a lifetime movie guys i did not um i bought it because <laughs> <laughs> i wanted i was like i needed some dramatization i was like 499 nope <laughs> okay but i grew up in a house like so <laughs> but like, i could afford that house by making good choices your favorite house um <laughs> But no, so I watched this, and this entire time, like, everything was so, like, mixed up. They took a lot of liberties with that story. And after doing the research and watching, I was so angry. It's like reading Harry Potter than watching the movies. Mm -hmm. You're like, they left so much out, and it was important. But, I mean, not important to the screenwriting or, like, the screenplay, but it was important to the books. Right. And so I was like, this is not how that happened. That's Mm -hmm. also not how that happened. That's not how that happened. Mm -hmm. Why are you saying that? He didn't say that. That's not when he did that. Like, there's so many points. I just, I can't watch it anymore. I can just imagine. But Matt Barr, who is fine, was playing Chris Porco. (laughs) 
So and then, like unnecessary, gratuitous, like shirtless, like scenes, <laughs> scenes for Matt Barr. I really feel it's to play up the Romeo, which because I guess because he was called, I, he's called the Romeo killer because he was charming. Attractive. I wouldn't necessarily call to... him attractive. He was kind of average looking. Yeah, I'd go as far as saying homely, but like yeah. it's like. <laughs> But it's just weird to me. But either Matt Barr was there, and he took like he was went for a run, and that's one of the things that happened. Was mm-hmm. that morning one of the students said that they had witnessed, you know, uh, Porco going for a run because mm-hmm. he was athletic. Mm-hmm. You know, he he was on the swim team before, so he's you know probably he's probably you know fit enough. Mm-hmm. But there's this, this gratuitous shot. He like takes off his shirt at his Jeep, and he's like sweaty, and then some girls like, "Hey, Chris, aren't you cold?" And then. He's like, it's your turn now. And she like flashes her tits. It's like weird. The but movie. It, again, it was November, so that is a little strange. <laughs> Look, that movie. <laughs> the only thing that movie I think did well in this well in quotes is that it did recreate the the crime scene, mm-hmm. and it didn't like try to sanitize it at all. Oh, okay. Like it shows like Joan like kind of clinging to life, and it's dramatic as hell. And I was like, well, shout out to you guys for getting some actors committed to this. And it was mm-hmm. Eric McCormick from Will and Grace fame, who was um. <laughs> The dad? The, no, he was the he was he was supposed to be playing the role of like Detective Bodish, but they call it Detective Sullivan. Uh, Some names in the movie were changed. Changed, right? Um, I don't know if it's because they didn't get the they didn't get someone to sign something. Agree, yeah. Um, I'm sure like Forty Eight Hours and Dateline, they everybody had like names on anything, so they had mm-hmm. signed waivers and whatnot. Absolutely. Probably were paid. Mm-hmm. Um, Lifetime didn't have the budget. I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> don't come for Lifetime. No, don't I fucking love Ellen, Lifetime. Man. I, I love Lifetime movies. I do not. I am not that type of girl whatsoever. Really? No. My mom and my sister live and die. We're about to, me and your mom and sister. About Y'all to could all in. hang out. And I'm always in the back on my computer like, I'm not doing this. Bastard I, out of Carolina? Like that. I, I talked no, about this I at your no birthday idea. brunch. I have no idea. Yeah, you probably did. Wait, did we prob- record since then? Yeah, we have. Me? Okay, I just want to make sure. That's when we did, um, yeah. <laughs> okay, I was going to say, like, did we talk mm-hmm. about your birthday brunch? Um... Yeah, no, I no. mentioned it, and you told me, don't mention it, and I got... I was like, you? no one cares, yeah. Yeah, okay. Uh, but <laughs> like, no one cares about your birthday, day. No, but like, even then, we were talking about Bastard Out of Carolina, which is my favorite Lifetime movie. Uh, it stars yeah. somebody who everyone knows right now. I think Jennifer Jason Lee is in it. Who? Um, And the little... Yeah, people listening will know. Um, <laughs> and the little girl is somebody we know, too, and I cannot remember her name. But it's a great movie. It's If, you're, if you are sensitive to child abuse, neglect... Um, don't watch it, uh, especially if it's something that you, what? The only Lifetime movie that I stand for and I actually want to read the book is Flower in the Attic. I don't know what that is. What? Oh my God. It's like the story about like these kids. I don't want to ruin it for anybody, but these kids. Then don't, if you can't it's tell. It's a really it, old book. It's like a 1980s I was like, if you can't book give, though. If you can't give us a synopsis without spoiling was, it, don't do it. But I mean, I don't have do to. It. It's an old one. It's a, it doesn't, I, I, why do you keep saying it's an old one if you're going to spoil it? Stop saying it. Fine. <laughs> I can't. You stand, guys need to see Flower. Yeah. I was like, I can't stand people who can't give a like a a little bit of a summary of a movie without spoiling the movie. Just say like, give me two basic characters in the point of the movie. Like they go through some trials and tribulations. That's all we need. <laughs> but oh, I, I feel could, like, yeah, I could. I could okay, do that. do that. The they were locked in the attic and uh, like there's incest because these okay, kids see, were locked too much, in the attic. Too much detail. Okay. It's not too much detail because that's <laughs> not even the premise. It's so much. Okay, it's like, I thought it sounded about to get no, deep. No, it's like like a four part book and they had like each and every part. I think they did a movie for in lifetime i'm gonna go buy it on amazon when we get it, like i but i need to read the book it's probably the, on prime right they now. talk about it on it. my favorite murder because the arthur is known for writing like fucked up stories then i'll have to watch it does, yeah okay. yeah, talk yeah about it. it's all up your alley to be honest it probably really is <laughs> so chris 
so Chris gets taken to the hospital by his uncle to see his mother. Mm-hmm. Um, but while Joan is in surgery, Chris is actually taken to the police station to answer some questions. And they question him for six hours. Mm-hmm. And in that, his alibi is that he was asleep on the couch in his frat lounge all night. But little did he know that the detectives were already <laughs> on and their way to University of Rochester. The university to question people. And they started knocking on doors of his dormitory. We don't give a damn how early it is, how late it is, like, open these doors. Um, and none of his frat brothers could back up his story. No, uh, one of them were actually there, and uh, like it's a square room. You could see all corners of the room, and he like, was nobody. Not, there wasn't was like there. corners, like you could hide in crevices. Like, like some nothing. rooms will have little nooks where they'll put like couches or you can sleep on. No, and it was actually Josh Felver, one of his uh, fraternity brothers, who said he was like, I was there from two fifteen to three thirty, right, and never saw Christopher at all, right. So there's <laughs> so like that alibi kind of goes out the right window. out the window. And so they would go, they'd search his room, they impounded his car. And so they really, but there was really no case because the problem is that there's no, there was no real forensic evidence surrounding this. Um, but they did, however, have security cameras. Yes. Thank God for campus security. They had just gotten new security cameras <laughs> on the campus and it showed, uh, basically his Jeep and that it that left. That bright yellow that, ass Jeep. Let me tell you something. Let's talk about <laughs> the car for a minute because I have such beef with this car. Like, if you're going to commit a crime, you guys, just for future reference, do not get a bright yellow car Jeep with oversized tires. <laughs> like, that may not be... You may be noticeable. That, how many people do you actually know that has a yellow car? Very few. Very few. But they're all... Sp- Sports they're cars. all sports, right? They're all sports right. cars. You will be able to dis- distinguish. There was one time a guy that worked security at one of my old jobs that had a yellow car, and he was really hot until he started balding. <sighs> Sometimes <laughs> it depends on where they bald. You know, yeah, like I don't right like the, the top like, of the head. Se- yeah, it was like right that in the center, center spot is hard. It's, it's the comb overs, yeah. the comb overs get yeah, bad, man. It, just, it was like a I thing. mean, don't get me wrong. Celebrate. Uh, let me let me read it now. It's a social worker and me, like. <laughs> Don't let anybody tell you guys aren't valuable, attractive, desirable because you are losing your hair. Men stand up in your baldness. If it is bald, my only problem is if it looks bad with the comb over, just don't comb it over. Worst shape head, like make sure your. I just own it. Like yeah, like at some point, if I start if my hairline recedes too much, I'm just shaving it off. Like Mm -hmm. I, yeah, right, right. like because I'm gonna be fine regardless. I'm gonna be sexy regardless. Like people gonna be checking for me anyway. Work that bald. Yeah, I had a thing for bald men. I don't like scalp skin. What? Like there's a. What? <laughs> there is a difference between like someone's arm, chest, back, and their like scalp. Like for whatever reason, like a freshly shaved scalp is like can be soft, but give that shit like a day or two, and then it's like rough because scalp skin isn't ne- normally like moisturized too much. You know what I'm saying? Like it's not evenly moisturized I... all the time. It's just not. It just isn't. Like you could part your hair all you want, and like as black folks do, like part your hair they'll grease up and down, and you know how they do, and then you brush it and get it all together. It's just not evenly moisturized all the time. It's always it's the thing closest to the sun. It dries out the quickest. I like bald men. I know. I'm just saying for me, scalp skin skin is not. I don't think I've ever processed that that much though. Have you guys haven't noticed? I'm super analytical. Super. Like I was like. I, I do bald men. I'm like, huh. I have a lot of things to think about. I feel a lot about a lot all the time. So anyway, speaking of scalp skin, <laughs> terrible segue, but whatever. Um, they were able to create a timeline using these cameras. Um, 
And so I'll, a quick rundown of this timeline is that 10.30 p.m., cameras show Chris's bright yellow mustard banana ass Jeep <laughs> driving through a parking lot. Yes. At 10.36 p.m., this same bright yellow Jeep was seen from the roof of a medical center off campus. Mm-hmm. At 10.45, New York State toll, <laughs> toll collector, I can't, can't talk today, uh-huh. John Fallon, Thinks he remembered. This is why this is the problem, too, about this right. case. Don't they thinks. have cameras at toll booths usually? Usually. Yeah. He thinks he remembers handling a ticket to a young man in a yellow Jeep. Mm-hmm. Right? So, 1.51 a.m., mm-hmm. another toll collector says she's seen a young white male speeding into her lane at exit 24 in Albany, only nine miles away from the Porco home. Bingo. Uh, Yahtzee! <laughs> like, <laughs> so... so <laughs> At 2.14 a.m., the burglar alarm is deactivated at the Porco home using the master code and, you know, would be smashed later on. But, again, the mm-hmm. security hub is in the basement, so, you know, terrible on you. Then 4 a.m., this is – now, this is a key part of this, is that Marshall Goki, uh, a neighbor, mm-hmm. sees Chris's yellow Jeep in the driveway as he's leaving for work. And he would later say that he usually leaves work for work around 3.45, 4 a.m. in the morning. Um and I would like also like to point out that while like while watching the documentary that, that he kind of speaks in and reading about him and his court like his court testimony and things like he's obviously annoyed by Chris and I don't know <laughs> like the the neighbor he's, yeah he's like in one of those older fellows who's like he drove his jeep up and down the street blasting his music when he lives there and yeah, like yeah. so he was that typical like if I can put this bitch like, away type vibe right. it was like I will mm-hmm. um it just seemed like he just seemed super annoyed. By him, like those old people didn't like young people kind of being boisterous. Do you know anyone who's not obnoxious with a bright yellow car? I know a few people who aren't obnoxious with their car. I mean, their car bright yellow car. Yeah, it's bright. It's a Corvette. Their car comes off as obnoxious. They get out and you're like, oh, you're not who I thought I was going to get out of that. Oh, Um, it's like you're five seven. Well, maybe that is who you think would get out. Never mind. That's like someone's overcompensating. Um, you, if you're listening to this, I apologize. But you, I said what I said, and I've said it to you before. Um, so, so in the, during this time, they think that he had grabbed the axe from the garage and went upstairs and attacked his parents in bed. Mm-hmm. But at 4.54 a.m., the phone company shows that the phone line is cut at that time. They could, it, yeah. yeah. Once service then. is severed from, like, if you, oh, yeah, like right. if you lose right. electricity, right. if I lost electricity right now. I haven't now, thought about landlines in a long time. Right. If I lost electricity right now, um, our electric company would be able to know when it went out mm-hmm. and how long it's been out. Mm-hmm. Um, then at 5.12 a.m., Chris re-enters this New York State Thruway in the direction of Rochester. And at 8.30 a.m., a yellow Jeep is captured by a camera on the roof of that same medical center heading towards the University of Rochester campus. Now, there's no license plate pictures because this is all grainy. This is still 2004. Of so it wasn't um, clear cut. And, but they do, have deta- they do have decals showing... Like that were very similar to Chris's, and also that telltale mudstain mud on the side of his car, mm-hmm. which is you know really it's just it's one of those distinguishable factors about someone's car. My car is covered in tree sap. I refuse to wash it. So if you see a maroon Sonata with tree sap, it's probably me. Giving away your car. There's a million maroon Sonatas. I don't give a fuck. Come find me, shit. <laughs> like, I, like I mean, you can run up on me if you want, but I'm sure you don't want these problems. <laughs> like, <laughs> It won't, if you guys are going to try to take me out, I'm letting you know now. It's not going to be as simple as wham, bam, thank you, man. Um, but Chris does and probably foolishly admits, admits right. that he, in fact, did take his Jeep off campus, but he was moving it to park off campus, but didn't give any reason as to why he would have yeah, he to was doing it. move it. Like, if you have, first of all, if, you have, if you're a student on a college campus, you have a parking permit. 
It's not like just parking on the streets of LA where you have to move it off the street for the street cleaners. You don't have to move your car. So why are you parking your car off campus? Again, the time gap. Like, why are you moving it twice? Because you right. seen leaving, and then you moved it back. So what was going on? So why are you exactly? So why are you moving it back at eight thirty a.m. and why were you moving it mm-hmm. in the middle of the night? It just seems like just seems so weird and how did you get back to your car you know like those are like holes that need to be filled and that were never filled yeah so it just makes me it just makes me so weird um but even in all this when they're piecing together this timeline you know he's he's at the hospital there there's all these things that go and his mom is still unconscious and everyone around him this we're going to get into the biography of chris porco because everyone around him is saying like hey his his youth pastor um is like hey i'm in here consoling chris and Mm -hmm. he's not really showing any signs of remorse um the detectives who were questioning were like yeah he's not showing any signs of grease he's not looking us in the eye Mm -hmm. and the opposite is that chris porco tends to be or has been described as a sociable young man Mm -hmm. so usually even in grief you keep that same energy Energy, especially if you're being accused of murder Mm -hmm. and he just doesn't he doesn't show up any kind of grit no he wouldn't make eye contact with the detective and the detective specific it was like hey up here like my which usually triggers don't look at my titties like my eyes are up here chris <laughs> stop looking at my nips just like i tell people all the time um but he i mean you're short so i'm always looking down <laughs> thank you so if you're like I mean, my eyes are up here i'm like but so are your boobs because you're five nothing like it's oh my god i'm not even that short i'm like five six really yeah i'm actually five six like in three fourths. I was like, like don't lean. even add any fractions. I'm, I'm adding fractions. I'm leaning. Sounds like something five, short people do. I never say I'm six three and three quarters because I'm not. I'm six three and like one eighth or something like but yeah, that. Yeah, no, I'm five six. I'm not that. The only short people add the extra fraction. Like, but I'm almost. But it almost doesn't count. Brandy uh, taught us. I'm that. actually the tallest woman in my family. That's. I am thing. not the tallest man in my family, which makes me sad. My Ooh. brother is taller. Oh. I know, right? <laughs> I mean, if I was six six like Leo, like. Whew, I would have taken basketball a lot more seriously. Uh, either way, so he's in the he's in the hospital and his family's visiting. And his mm-hmm. family is saying, you know, like, oh, it's... His family was kind of like whispering to themselves, too. There was a lot of keeping Chris right. out of the So loop. media was not allowed in the hospital for obvious reasons. Right. But, but... Look at uh, timing. Right. Time, look at God. Like, won't <laughs> right. he, Birth. Uh, won't he do Life. That? Time, Times Union senior writer Brendan uh, Lyons, he was able to get into the hospital because his wife had just given birth to a newborn now, baby. I don't know how it feels as his wife, like, you about to do work when I'm just out here. Have you ever been in the room with someone who's just given birth? Like, there's a lot of things that you don't need to be present for. <laughs> <laughs> because once they first, like, I was in the room with my sister when she first gave birth. Like, I wasn't watching. I was behind a curtain holding her hand because I didn't want to see my sister's cooch. But, like, or it'd be split open, but... I remember right after when they were like cleaning her up and things like that, and I, like my niece was there, mm-hmm. and like I got to hold her after my niece. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of things happening around that to like make sure that she's well and, re- and bouncing back, mm-hmm. and that she's not losing too much blood or anything. Mm-hmm. Like cleaning her up, sewing her. There's a lot of things that go into I that. Haven't, I haven't. I haven't. Yeah. So like, if he needed to step out, and I'm sure he told his wife like, kiss her on the forehead, like, baby, I'll be right back. I'm running to a vending machine. I'm sure he didn't tell her, hey, I'm going to go work. <laughs> I'll be back because he slipped into the ICU just to kind of observe. He didn't even right. like. He didn't go question anybody. He just watched them all kind of walk away from Chris. Right. And because they knew that the police were interested in him. So they were like, oh, you know, homeboy probably did this year, right? Yeah. Like, look so at him. They, like, like, so he, he observed all the family like talking. <clears throat> they were suspicious of him. They knew that the police was looking at him right away. So the family was kind of like, oh, like, well, you know what? We just going to have to have a little side conversation. And they sure did. And then um, Brandon, Brendan was able to see all that. Yeah, which is, again, like, there's that 
weird silver lining or like eye of the storm type thing where you get that one break, mm-hmm. which is not, I mean, as a news outlet, like that's what you look for. You look for the one with the, with the only information. You want to be the person with the exclusive. And so she, I'm sure Brendan sure got a little bit of a little, mm-hmm. little hey, hey, little, little raise, a little bonus. So, I mean, shout out to you. You guys had a baby. You want to provide for that mofo, you know, mm-hmm. you got to love the little ones. But right here is where we want to give a little backstory of on, the childhood. On the childhood and his growing up because right now people don't you guys don't really understand like what would make you think like if he's this person like what drove him to this? You know, he obviously has friends, like he was in a frat, like what drove him to this? But we know, you know, he comes from a middle class family. Um he's where is he? he's born in Bethlehem, Bethlehem New York, New which New is York. A beautiful town name. So there's a Bethlehem here in Connecticut. Yes. I um, actually work there. <laughs> okay. Well, you talk about me giving me information about my car. I'm not too concerned. <laughs> D's like, if someone could just come get me, that'd be fine. <laughs> um, but yeah, and they grew up in a really, they were, you know, they were good students. They were, well, let's say Jonathan was a good student, but they were both athletes and they were churchgoers, but the home was really strict. Mm-hmm. And it was really about, it was really about, I mean, you know, matter of fact, mom was really about her business, kept a clean home. Much mm-hmm. like my uh, grandma's house when I was growing up, my mm-hmm. grandma didn't play no games. Everything was in its place and had everything a place. had a place. Mm-hmm. And if it moved out of place, that means you got to get out of her place. Right. <laughs> it's like okay, I'm not watching Charnel no more. He can't. And stay here the anymore. parents both had very high expectations. Oh yeah, of their kids as they should. But mm-hmm. unfortunately, like Jonathan, who went on to the military, so this makes sense, seems to thrive in that very strict and structured um, environment. But Christopher seemed to falter a lot more, mm-hmm. and so we see. Um, you see Chris's life start to pick up and kind of grow a little bit when he turns 14 because he mm-hmm. joins a youth group at his church. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's when he became close to that youth pastor, Joe Catalano, mm-hmm. who was there at the hospital with him. Um, and he said he was really popular. He seemed to really feed off that social energy of the group. Yes, he that very, he was very, like, you know, gregarious and very personable, which is, again, like, not, are not characteristics of people we peg for murder. Like, so this is why... It really depends. It, well, it depends on, well, as we go. It's, like, people who are really friendly, and I'm not, I'm not talking, like, flirtatious. I was was... Well, that's predatory. There's a difference. Yeah, like, he was, so. pre- like, he was, like, whenever I see, and this is going to sound really shady to say out loud, <laughs> but I'm very skeptical. It's probably because I'm into true crime for, since I was a child. Mm-hmm. Whenever I see any adult who specifically spends most of their time around young people by choice... Same. Bothers me. Like, I love, I, I, I work with kids all the time. But if I had a choice to hang out with adults on my free time or teenagers, I'm probably going to choose to hang out with my adult friends because right. it's like, but that's what I'm saying. Gacy, like, purposely only employing young, young, young boys, at, you know, all those things. Doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. So, but starting at 16, Chris worked at the Bethlehem Veterinary Hospital, mm-hmm. um, for Elaine LaFort. Um, and he subscribed as a good worker. He was actually one of the only young people they kept on staff. He was, you know, he was ready. He was, he was willing to learn. He was coachable. Like all these things about him that people are saying, he's such a good guy. He's so nice. Sarah mm-hmm. Fisher, his girlfriend at the time of the attacks would describe him as magnetic, which again, this is, I guess this is where the Romeo thing comes from because listening to him, <laughs> I wasn't swayed, No, but I'm also not that swayable, you know, like it takes a lot to move me. You need to have like Barack Obama s you know diction diction and, and speech and have like Ryan Phillippe's like body specifics. <laughs> have you seen Ryan? First of all, Ryan Phillippe's like forty five and he looks amazing. I wish I had that much dedication to my fitness because well, his job is also to that's be pretty. my next life goal is to get together with my fitness and look like a Marvel comic book hero. Which one? Oh no, I haven't specified which one. Like, um, why can't I remember her name? 
Isn't she? Wasn't she Captain Marvel at one point? No, you're thinking of uh, what's her name? It Kyla. was a Monica. It was a Monica that was Captain Marvel at one point. Oh no, hold on. I'm not wrong. I'm I'm gonna be wrong about this. What Monica LeBeau. Yeah, there you go. You're right. Mm-hmm. You're absolutely right. Mm-hmm. I was wrong. You were right. Um, but that Spectrum. doesn't have Spectrum. <laughs> that's the name I think. Could that go in the show? That happens really. What? <laughs> Me being right. <laughs> Yeah, Monica Rambo, not Lubbo. Rambo oh. is Spectrum. That's what I was thinking about. Uh, I've never um, seen a body, but my goal is to be a uh, superhero body. So my goal is to just. I want to be thick but muscular. I'm always gonna be thick, no matter what. Yeah, I me do. too. Like even when I was, even when I was at my fittest, I was still solid looking. Same. It just wasn't. I didn't. She's a brick. I house. was a brick house, and now I'm made of <laughs> sticks. Uh, <laughs> it's just terrible. Now I'm jealous. I don't know what you're talking about. Either way, but they would describe him as magnetic and, you know, they, he'd always say he'd make you smile. He'd make you feel good. And he was a bit of a smooth talker. Those charming people are the ones. It's those sociopaths. see it though. Like when he's talking about this case. Well, that's also, we we talked about this. I think it's also because, (laughs) it's also because he's been caught and he feels a little bit defeated. But still, if that charm is not, he can't charm the people who don't think he's innocent. If you're still saying that you're, you know, innocent of it and you didn't do it, you still should put on a little bit of an act. But his act is to convince you. You can't be convinced if there's if you've already believed that. Like there's like the twenty sixty twenty rule. Like there's twenty people who are already gonna agree with you, believe you. There's sixty people that are on the fence and there's twenty who are vehemently against you. Mm-hmm. Like he's not in that realm anymore. He's got like seventy percent of people, eighty percent of people who believe that he is guilty. His charm is not gonna work magic against I feel that. like he can. But I don't we'll know. talk we'll talk I'll talk about why later. Okay, we'll do that. But in this time, friends started um, really th- realizing that things he would talk about wasn't adding up. So he would lie mm-hmm. about um, he would lie about his family coming for money. He would point mm-hmm. at houses, houses and say like, "This is where we live." But so I laughed at the one house that he pointed to. That I guess it was his girlfriend. Sarah was like, "My yeah, friends, my friend live here. My sister's friends live there. For what are years. you talking like, about? What are you talking about? Like, you're obviously lying mm-hmm. and things like that." Um, he would talk about how he had servants and houses on the Outer Banks of North Carolina. Um, pay for drinks like he would pay for drinks for everybody at parties like two hundred dollars three hundred dollars worth to to back up well that's the more claim. towards college yeah right yeah but so, to back up the claims yeah so he just spent the money which is wild to me that he this, really this continued in college just yeah like it, it really it really went there um and he would say that uh he had told a college bro- fraternity brother he had a trust fund right that was matured in the Cayman Islands and he talked about backpacking through Europe and this outrageous ass lie that you could buy cabins on airplanes and throw all your friends in it like mm-hmm. it was a party bus like how do you think airplanes work you'd have to buy seats like right. you could buy all the seats in first class but right. chances are you, you most won't. of them are right. taken Correct. and so it's just like th- but things like this were <laughs> what they're like why would you believe them they're like well it's chris why wouldn't you believe it i'm like because it sounds fantastical overcompensating sis. overcompensating people do this all the time uh, i do it all the time you, you don't lie this much no i i just lie about i just lie about things like yeah i make eighty five thousand dollars a year that's not true guys oh, please. Just, what are you saying because <laughs> i would i would we're drive both, a nicer car we're both social workers like, <laughs> like, what? you just said sedan like what <laughs> <laughs> i said sonata <laughs> And it's 12 years old. <laughs> Where's your 80? I was like, my engine light came on yesterday. Like, <laughs> this that's is where definitely I a had a house moment. <laughs> this is my, I have, I have my own apartment moment. This is, I'll always be that. And so you might be thinking, um, well, I do all this, but 
like this lies just ramped up, you know, and he spent like exorbitant amounts of money. He right. even he bought a vending machine for his residence hall, like all yeah. these things. And everyone's like, well, where the fuck is this money coming from? Little did we know. Little so we know. we're going to backtrack a little bit. Two years ago, where Chris Bowdish, the same one who showed up and was at the scene of the attack, had investigated a burglary Thanksgiving Day mm-hmm. uh, at the Porco residence. And two laptops computers were stolen. I think it was like a Dell and a Macintosh, which I didn't realize Macintosh had had laptop computers. That's how yeah. broke I was. Yeah. See, look, yeah, yeah, of course it was. They're in my house. Like <laughs> they were like the very like you know how I don't. I think back then they had the very colorful ones, the very colorful desktops that are very colorful. Are you thinking about iMacs? Oh, oh the no, iMac laptops. They had the laptops that were the kind colorful, of colorful yeah. and like rounded shape. I remember yeah. now. Oh, see, you're right. See, it is, it is. I see iMac, I'm just thinking Apple. Like, I'm just like, <laughs> right? Macintosh and Apple were the same thing, right? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. I'm like, I'm not wrong. Yeah. Am I wrong? It went from Macintosh and Macintosh's Apple. Get it? I feel like Apple was the name of it when it started in like the 70s. No? I feel like. Was Macintosh? A, we don't talk about this now. I feel like Macintosh. Was like the prominent name, and then they switched it over to Apple. But again, Macintosh is an Apple. No, it is an Apple. It's <laughs> true. Yeah. So the laptops were taken, and the only sign of an intruder was the window screen that had been broken. Um, just like in the murder, in the attack, one window screen. And at the time, you know, the out. cops didn't even think much about it. They didn't. It was only like a laptop until I mean, they started to notice stuff. Exactly. And so they find out that Chris has been living this secret life as a thief. Like, he was stealing from his frat brothers. And they're like, how how are we losing things when we're all still here? Like, obviously someone in the dorm is taking good old, Good old eBay. He was taking electronics and selling them on eBay. eBay. And the only reason they caught him is because a stolen laptop got recovered by someone who had mm-hmm. purchased it from his account. Correct. And so now, they, now the investigators are going around asking questions, explaining to them, like, hey, we need to know more about Chris because he is not who he says he is. And now that starts to kind of unravel. Um, his world starts to kind of come undone. And which you would imagine would put him in this place of like this expect, this kind of intersection of desperation and hopelessness almost. This is like where I'm like, I don't know if there was a privileged part of it where like. I mean, his I father mean, was a law. He, they had money enough to, to every time him. there was issues, they would be saving his ass, you know, in terms of money. So he. That was, comes, that was a deep viral. Like, I wouldn't call this affluenza. No, no, no. There was no affluenza because he wasn't that rich. Like, he didn't have money like that. I want to know what the demographics of the University of Rochester was. Like, who, like, if people, things went missing, who were they questioning? Who were they asking? So I'm sure you reported it to campus police. So, like, who were they questioning? Who were they going after? Like, that one of our listeners and one of my good friends is from Rochester. And I believe the Democrat of Frick is mostly Caucasian. I'd, I'd imagine. <laughs> um, but I mean, it's. Whatever. Because we've talked about it before. So I'm thinking, like, so I just want to know, like, who are they talking to? Why are they talking to? Like, because sometimes you got to be careful. Like, that's just real life. Right. Like, when you get into situations, um, I, when was the last case we talked about where it became a problem? Um, like, Wana, mm-hmm. where, like, they went towards the, the problem the, demographic. Yeah, they yeah, went, the they went attacked the trans women. So I'm thinking, like, who are they going after? Because literally, like, and who, how, like, incompetent is your campus security that they're not, like, Bro, it's probably someone who lives with you who's taking your shit. Right. If your door was locked. Right. It was just dumb. Uh. I'm sure a lot of these kids were able to replace their stuff soon after, too. So maybe a lot of people didn't even report it. They would report it missing. Just replace it. Like, it's whatever. I mean, if, I mean, if you got it like that, I, we live in houses. So like, <laughs> but, you know, I mean, all this lying and all the stealing and, you know, kind of over-exaggerating are all signs, uh, you know, of like, 
of him clearly like leaning towards like soci being a sociopath, you know, and you know, the narcissism, the lack of, you know, remorse and conscience, it seems, and all the pathological lying. But I wouldn't say any of these indicate like violent or aggressive behavior. No. So no, like no... this is why it's kind of hard at first to really believe. Indicator. Unless unless there was a little bit of borderline in him. But this is exactly. Because then I know borderlines have a tendency to try to uphold their lies at all means. Yeah. So this is where, like, if he was a little borderline, maybe this is why. But to this extent where the violence comes in, like... Well, they, th- there was a point in time where Peter had had a conversation with Joan mm-hmm. about his, their child being a sociopath and a psychopath. Like, they had had that conversation. And, well, probably, and I'm sure he saw it being in the court system, so... It was just like, yeah, something's off about our son, mm-hmm. and Joan was very, like, you know, they're churchgoers, so let's give it to God. Let's <laughs> give it to God. Let's pray for him and take care of him and lift him up, which is... I'm a church boy at heart, too, so I, I, I'm i one of those people that, like, I'll pray for you, or I'll think about praying for you, you know? <laughs> like, it's one of those things. I'm a heathen, okay? <laughs> you just are. But we're gonna, now we're going to get to the things, like, we talked about his world's unraveling. Mm-hmm. He's all these things. He may be a sociopath, probably is a sociopath. Right. Um, maybe a psychopath. Doing um, things to uphold his lies and, you know, stealing and going the after, extra effort to make it seem like people are breaking in. Right. And even, and even, like, continuing to lie to, like, police. Like, just mm-hmm. everything about it. And even when being questioned about, you know, like, is this, like, why would you believe that? He's like, I may have, like... Mm-hmm possibly you know fibbed a little bit it's never but so ramping up to this attack this is Mm -hmm. where we're this is where we think that his um you know the like his the threat of his you know fantasy world collapsing really starts pushing him to this closer and closer to this edge so he ends up being on academic probation he gets suspended from the university of rochester in his first semester of his sophomore year which Mm -hmm. i mean everyone has a bad semester at school like Like, who doesn't Mm -hmm. like sometimes you want to party too much sometimes you miss home too much sometimes you just don't feel like going to class around this time i was doing swimming lanes (laughs) i was frunking out of uh, school I was a sophomore, and I'm very happy to prove my GPA was like a 3.3. Um, oops. <laughs> this is also high school. It was not hard. <laughs> I was going to say, this is like, you were younger, but yeah. I mean, college is a transition. Even my really smart-ass sister, congratulations to talk her. about my future ex-wife. Like <laughs> Don't so. talk. You better not mess with her. She will come for you and take you seriously. <laughs> hey, you know what? I would do it for a couple years. Just to try it out. I've got no prospects <laughs> right now. So, hey. My sister has a PhD. Congratulations PhD to her, by the way. PhD and a crush on me, which makes her super smart. A real uh, crush on her, him. I don't know where she's, she's barking up a tree. I don't know. Barking up the wrong one. But I'm also, <laughs> I'm also super, I'm super charming, you but know. But those first couple of years. I'm a supreme co- gentleman. That's really going <laughs> to motivate her if she listens to a past episode. <laughs> you creep. Jesus. <laughs> but, you know, like, she's academically she's amazing and she has that focus sounds to like be... shade is coming no Acad- no she has <laughs> let me preface academically she's amazing well, <laughs> like, you know, socially you know who's the artistic what i mean like you know which one's that you didn't have to come from my creativity See, my black creativity shade. like this don't blame black cre- don't put it on that <laughs> my creativity you don't come from my Just creative happens mind to be melanated <laughs> melanated creativity listen she's very good academically but even the Smartest, most intelligent people have trouble that beginning year. So, yeah. I mean, unless you're, most people, she, you know, she had a hard time. She came to me because 
this sister has failed many times. <laughs> she came to the person that knows how to feel professionally. <laughs> no, I was like, I was like, I, I think that's a poor choice. Either way. So. <laughs> but anyways, but the way that he took this academic probation and suspension, I think was harder than most people. Right. Because once you leave school, like he, part of his, part of his fantasy is the fact that, that he's, he's rich he's and that he's a smart, he's, at this, you know, somewhat, I won't call it prestigious, but at this, you know, surrounded by other people at this school where mm-hmm. being, it's also for, for all it's worth, being in school gives you a status in society right, that you right, don't right. typically get right. um, from not being in society, like not being in school. So if you're 22 years old and you're like, I'm in college getting my undergrad degree, people are going to put a different value on you than if you say, yeah, I work full time at Wendy's. And that's right. just what life is. Correct. Um so he lied to his parents so, because yeah. you have to keep lying mm-hmm. to keep to maintain your lies and say that professor lost his final and that is why he flunked out of school. Um, which is again something that because there's something called FERPA, so you your parents aren't allowed to be looking into your right. your um your grades and, and things boy, like that. Did it I has, take advantage of that? Didn't we all? And like, <laughs> how'd you get your grades? My grades are fine. Shut up. <laughs> Dad, how are you doing school? Uh, I don't now know you if can't I can go look, back. <laughs> now you can't look and ask for yourself, so get out of my face. Philosophy was a killer. Anyways. I see. I got an A plus. Either I way. hated philosophy. So he goes. He goes into attend Hudson Valley Community College for a brief time, but he would also flunk out of there. Yeah, sometimes you could go to a community college to up your grades and transfer your GPA in and transfer back in that. as with like a fresh start. That way, you transfer in all your Gen Ed credits. Right. You can just kind of start your major core class, which we tell you see a lot of people do. Right. Um, but, they uh, go to community college first without going failing out. It doesn't. Matter. I don't know how you mess up community college to be. But honest. we're also not going to pretend that community college isn't college, though. I mean, it's still college, but I mean, Jesus, it's, like I mean, I don't. Um, I'm an advocate of higher education, but I would also say that community college is affordable choice. Doesn't make it easier. College is. I didn't say it's easier, but I. You know what? No, (laughs) I feel like I don't know what it is about community college, but you definitely have more help and more resources to help. I don't know if that's true either. Yeah, every time when I went, I I feel like it's about the same. I mean, I did. Like I said, I flunked out, so I I did a semester at community college. Me too. I had to do a semester at a community college too, and I felt like. I don't know if it's budget wise, but you have more access to math labs to different things, uh, <laughs> um, math labs and different things to help you get where you need to go. No, I, I could see that. Like I, so like I just, universities, they don't always have. Listen, if your university doesn't offer you any kind of support services, you probably should go to a different. University. I had student help. Oh, and I mean, there's a lot of writing my centers. My student and math never showed are, up. That are usually ran by students. My my student never showed up. So, (laughs) but the fucked up part about this is that in this he flunks out. But instead of owning these these experiences, these decisions, he forges a transcript from HVCC to get right. Well, two thousand four. Maybe the the technology wasn't like to get readmitted to University of Rochester and lie to his parents saying that the university had made the mistake. In that they agreed to waive his tuition to make up for unjustly suspending him from school. Yo, lying is exhausting. Like, imagine all the effort. Up? Yeah, like, I wouldn't be able... Because I was thinking, like, what if after I transfer my transcript, like, I have to keep that up with my parents and find a way to get back in school. Right. Well, he got back in school. Right. Because like, he, he lied for, to yeah. them, too. So it's just like, so, and they say he's going to wait, but he, they actually didn't wait. No school waives your tuition. tuition. So he forges his father's signature for a tuition loan at the university for $31,000. That's not a small amount. And that's, yeah, that would cause things to escalate pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. And because he only communicated with his, his parents, because he chose to by email, um, everything's time stamped, everything. 
has, you know, there's history, there's email training. This is so, where I roll my eyes as well. Right. So, so just talking phones on the phone. work. <laughs> he emailed Chris like he, about his Peter was emailing Chris about late car payments and he was like, Hey, sorry, you know, I get my new credit card and I set it up for automatic deductions. No new credit card was there. Um he got involved. Peter got really involved when they got all kinds of late notices coming to the house because of the car payments weren't due or uh, weren't being paid. The credit cards weren't new credit cards and new credit card bills weren't being paid. He paid for that. Debon and his parents co-signed too. Yeah. Had his dad co-sign for that. And, and they were paying. They would pay his bill. Like that's. Mm-hmm. I mean, which I again, middle class. I don't know. And to be fair, we are in 2018. We mm-hmm. don't understand what middle class is anymore. Not anymore. So like, as technically, I'm lower middle up like middle middle class maybe with my salary but like i'm not like i'm not getting paid enough to be able to write off people's other people's bills so i mean you have a house i guess (laughs) Um, i was like do i want to say this because here it goes no like my mom did and my parents did when that's savings and that's all this stuff so like i mean i don't know how much they had saved or anything Mm -hmm. like exactly so like they were always saving his ass um, but when he got in loads, so they would, they'd pay them to try to clean up behind Christopher. Mm. Um, but once Peter discovered the tuition loan for the $31,000, he then was like, okay, now this is, this, this is, is out of control. Right. So he sends him an email, you know, verbatim reads, you have a lot of explaining to do. It's time to stop the bullshit and call me at the office right away. Dad. And he would not respond to that. Nope. And then a week before the attack, Joan asked Chris to come home to talk about it, saying, Chris, Dad and I are really upset about your not communicating with us. We don't know if you are well or mentally stable, which is a key point. Key point. In all this. Because that tells you that there was issues. Yep. Dad is about to have a nervous breakdown. For God's sakes, call. Mom. Chris never called. Mm-mm. But Peter would cancel the loan a few days before the attack and threaten to press charges. And so, so now you gone fucked up my right. world. You took my money away. I can't pay for school. And now How you're threatening to get the you. police involved. Yeah. And a lot of times, like most people, like it was said in the documentary we watched that most defrauders, their their weapon of choice is charm. Their mm-hmm. weapon of choice is being well spoken and mm-hmm. being able to be the smarter person in the room and walk and like mm-hmm. kind of talk circles around you. Right. But once you start threatening outside authorities to expose them, they can sometimes switch their strategy. From charm and deception to violence. Like, and that might be the thing that kind of like, wow, you're really bringing my world down. What can I do to get rid of this threat? And what they could do, obviously, is to eliminate Here's mom and where dad. I have like an issue, though. I can't identify how much planning went into this. Not much. I mean, I would say that I he w- did a good job of not leaving any kind of friends. Right. That's why. But like, and then you still have to plan to do the drive when you're going to do the drive. How are you going to be like, not notice, like people not notice you left campus, although that didn't work so well. Um, you know, there's still, late. The, I, I feel like there had to be some kind of planning. I mean, I think he, I think he went out there like with the intention of maybe like he left in the middle of the night knowing he wouldn't get there till well he left at night knowing he wouldn't get there till the morning so i think when he left in his car he mm-hmm. knew what he was going to do i don't think he knew how, how he was going i think everything had ramped up so much in his mind that he just was kind of just out of it mm-hmm. and he was like i know what i need to do i don't know how i'm going to do it and on his way there he started putting the pieces together he's gonna say okay i'm gonna cut the screen mm-hmm. like i did when i stole the so everyone thinks it's an outside job i'm going to smash the alarm code so they don't know that i'm there um I'm going to do all these things. And, but what I don't know about, I don't know if I should have Googled this, but blood splatter 
uh, analysis was major in 2004 because if you're smashing someone's face in with an axe, there's bound, you got to pull that back and bring it back. So like, even if there was no, they could find no forensic evidence because they couldn't see him in the car. So you don't know what he was wearing. Mm -hmm. And they saw him on a run that morning. Maybe on that run, he had gotten rid of the car. Like, you never know. Like, and they found no blood in his car. So there's a lot of things that would have happened. Like, how can you place someone at this scene? Like, blood blood on the wall, like anything. Like, so I think... I don't know if he wore gloves when he went in. Like, I mean, it was cold, so maybe he already had winter gloves on. Like, there's a whole bunch of stuff that goes into that. So I'm like, I... I wonder if he could have had help. And that's the other thing, too. Like, he could have. He could have had but somebody if actually I, But do it. if he was that manipulative of a person, mm-hmm. why would he not throw that person under the bus? Like, if you had to go down, I wouldn't be... I'd bring everybody else down, down with me. me. Like, especially if I was that narcissistic. Like, mm-hmm. I'd have to make sure someone else suffered. Like, it would have to be. Like, I, someone did, convinced me to do this. I didn't do it on my own. It's someone else's fault. Like, just legally. Like, it did you need throw to... me off, though, when there was no blood spatter, no... Like, the clothes you could easily, like, on the run get rid of. Right. That's not a big deal. But, like, for you not to have anything on your car, shoes... That's what I'm saying. Like so much blood. I, I really think that... I mean, he lived. In, the problem is that he also lived in the house, mm-hmm. so there were clothes there. So, like, so was he like was he naked? Like, I want to know. Like, how did it? <laughs> like, seriously, because it's like, how do you change out of those clothes and not track blood mm-hmm. anywhere? Mm-hmm. There had to be blood. Like, maybe not pulling on the floor because it was the being axe st- was there. There was no fingerprints. Right. So he had to have been wearing gloves. gloves. But in but in all the blood, they 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 like comb that house, and so. Mm-hmm. Like, he didn't, he wasn't hurt, so, like, all the blood that was splattered all over the house was mm-hmm. obviously spread by, uh, spread by, I can't, Peter, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. And so, it's just, it's just a weird coincidence. And even in that, too, like, once we bring up, he goes and he attacks him. Mm-hmm. One of the last things Peter ever does is pay his son's parking tickets. And, like, in the morning, yeah, so in the morning, when they find him, mm-hmm. there's blood, like, all over, like, on the fresh blood on the envelope with a check in it. Like to pay oh. Christopher's parking tickets. Like, I didn't it's, know that. Why didn't I know that? Didn't it's just that. so wild to me. That's heartbreaking, though. And the only reason they found out that Peter was because he didn't show up to work and it was unlike him. Right. So it's just like the, all these things I get. That's what I'm saying. Even in that was even while he was in shot, like wandering through, like he's finishing still thinking about his kid and like and the one off. who like it's just so wild to me. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> so Chris finally gets arrested, and on November 4, 2005, he's charged with the murder of his father and the attempted murder of his mother. Now, also, it's also important to, to bring up that now Joan has regained consciousness. Yeah, she lived with, through and the surgery, you know. Right. With no memory of the assault and is now kind of reneging um, and recanting on her on the fact that she had said that her son was the one who did it and said she has no memory of it. I would never do that. My son is not that kind of person. And so now the prosecution's key witness is... Out the door. Out the door. She is permanently disfigured and did suffer brain damage from it. Right. So she came out of it not, you know, not the same. And she she comes out publicly, Mm. you know, kind of supporting her son's innocence, like boasting that. And as police as law enforcement as the as you know adas anything you can't antagonize a victim or bully a victim into doing yeah it's just not the proper thing to do like it's not the moral thing to do you could do it i guess like i that's also one of the reasons why i chose not to become an attorney or a prosecutor or anything because i was like i just couldn't be there's too many too many ethical and moral decisions to be made in too much red tape i couldn't do it uh but in early december chris actually gets out on bail 
because mm-hmm. a collection was taken up by family uh, and friends convinced that he was innocent. And he stays with Elaine LaFort, the woman the who he worked with. The one that works at the vet. Mm-hmm. And it's just so, it's strange. So the defense had brought in the neuro, the neurologist that was treating, um, that was treating, I can't remember, Jones, sorry, Jones, mom. sorry guys. Um, and to state that Jones' particular injury to the brain, he's like, you can react to simple commands. Mm-hmm. So if someone asks you a question, you can, like, you can nod, but it has nothing to do with accessing memory. It's a different part of the brain. Um, and she was quoted saying she could have simply been responding to the name Christopher. But you could have responded to your other son. Right. But she did respond. And that's the thing. So she did respond to the names of her children, even if this is the argument. Mm-hmm. But she responded differently to each one, right. which, you know, which is, a, is it's a whole thing. So, mm-hmm. again, but there's no they tried to the defense really tried to paint this um, as Peter's. I don't want to say Peter's fault, but they tried to paint it as it was somebody else. And all the all the evidence we saw was Peter's. Right. So he could have been he they said he could have been the one to disable the alarm because he had a habit of doing that when he let the dog out mm-hmm. um that they said that peter could have used the key that they found in the lock because he stepped out of the house and house. he was locked out, locked out yep. um they claimed false memory on the neighbor um who said he had saw his yellow jeep primarily because there were two jeeps that were in the neighborhood that were yellow which was whatever what um and they said that he was just so hell-bent on helping the police that he was just saying what he needed to be said and i don't know if that speaks to people's relationship with law enforcement but it's not mine Uh, (laughs) (laughs) it was whatever um and they're also saying that there was one lone fingerprint found by the phone pole Mm -hmm. where the line was cut but it doesn't belong to chris so who is it but i'm but my thing is if there's a fingerprint left behind but there's no other fingerprints left anywhere else on the crime scene like that fingerprint could have been anyone's it didn't have to be it could have been there placed by I don't know. A Somebody who worked on the line. Yeah. Someone worked on the line. Someone, a kid who would kick the ball into the yard and touch the pole, you know, because kids touch the shit unnecessarily all the time. Mm-hmm. So it's just, there were so many things that, that kind of went into this that they were really trying hard um, to press. And they were just saying that, you know, like this, we obviously believe this is the killer. This is not where we are. Mm-hmm. Um, so in this trial, this is all the things that the defense presents. But the DA's office hires Grant Fredericks. Um, from Avid Technologies, it was $250 an hour, which is a lot of fucking money. Right. Um, just to break down the security footage for the trial. And on July 18th, they show the jurors four separate pieces of video of Chris driving his yellow Jeep out of the university's South parking lot in front of Monroe Hall mm-hmm. on November 14th and traveling off campus to the intersection of Kendrick Road and Greenington Boulevard. Um, and they also believe that, uh, Perko used this route to get to the throughway to exit 46 at Henrietta to make his way to Del Mar to attack his parents. So, like, now they have this professionist expert mm-hmm. in here saying, like, this is what we, like, I know this is new to y'all, but let me explain Break to you. Break it down to you. Like, let me show you all the points that we have. This is this has not been doctored. This has not been edited. Mm-hmm. And after six weeks, you know, there's 70 witnesses, 440 items of evidence. So, on August 2nd, Marshall Gokey, that last witness who they tried to claim, like, made up the story about That's the right. Jeep in the driveway. Mm-hmm. Is the prosecution's last one? He testifies that he did in fact see this yellow Jeep matching Chris Porco's uh, car um, at 36 Broccoli Drive, where the crimes were committed, mm-hmm. and that seemed to be enough. So, on August 10, 2006, the jury began the deliberation at 10:15 a.m. Mm-hmm. and came back at with four. a verdict. <laughs> that wasn't too long. At 4:12 p.m. <laughs> that wasn't too six long. hours, and you know they had lunch, because so, <laughs> you always get lunch. Right? Is there a Popeyes at the corner? Like. <laughs> but, so, so they found Chris Porco guilty of murder in the second degree. And on the charge of second degree attempted murder of Joan Porco, they found the defendant guilty as well. And 
noticeably absent was Joan because no one told her to go. Like, I don't know if that was on purpose. Because <laughs> you gonna ruin stuff going, huh? Do you think they were like, you're gonna ruin it by trying to? Well, I think, I think one, I, my thing is when you're that injured though, you can't, yeah, like she was resting, have, she was yeah, resting in her hotel room, and there's nothing you could it. do right. once the juries are deliberated to sway the jury because they they've break already her voted, heart, so right. I, so I think that they just didn't tell, like, they came back quick. She said she was just wasn't alerted, like, I'm sure it was on purpose, like, there's no yeah, way sure she'd too. been there through this whole process. Supporting her son, you know, you know, advocating for Prosecution him. Prosecution was like, let's leave her out of this. Well, it wasn't. It would be. It would be up to the defense to alert her. True. Like, it wouldn't be up to the prosecution. True. Whether you're there or not, you're not a witness <laughs> um, anymore. So, mm-hmm. on October 25th, 2006, 24 year old Christopher Porco mm-hmm. uh, received the maximum sentence on one count of murder and one count of attempted murder. He'll serve a minimum of 25 years. And a maximum of life for the murder of his father and 25 years for the attempted murder of his mother. So he'll spend at least 50, 50 years, years behind bars mm-hmm. and where he is currently serving at the Clinton Correctional Facility and a, a name I love, Denimore, New York. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I'm going to name my daughter that if I ever have one. Denimore? Den- Denimore? I don't know how to pronounce it. I, I tried to have that Siri do it like for a- me and it said Denimore. And I'm like, I like it. <laughs> I'll that take sounds it. like a, a, a name, a villain name in Marvel. Well, Marvel does have the best villains. <laughs> Has the best names of everything. And uh, so that is Chris Chris Porco, Porco, who is exhausting to talk about. But it's I love this. There is a lot. So this, besides the fact that what, you know what threw me off about this case was the dad, and you know what messed me up a little bit was the dad and how he still did his morning routine. You know, he was butchered and stuff. Like when you know after all that, what throws me off is like. There's so many pieces that need to be connected that still in my head haven't been connected. Such and as. it made huh? I was like, which pieces? There's no solid evidence. Exactly. And that makes me insane. As makes- much I wanna say he did it. And as much as like I know he did it, but there's something there's something major that's missing in all this that no one is seeing. Because there's no way he's that professional. Right. If it was a murder of passion. To not leave any evidence at all, especially at that time. Well, I don't think, like, I don't want to think, I don't think it's a murder of passion. I don't think he just did it, like, he got there and decided, like, after yelling at his mom and dad in bed to go back to a garage. And, like, I think he went there with the intention of ending their lives. Like, I think that's right, why he showed like, up. but, like, he didn't have he had, a plan. I think it's premeditated. But I, I think it's the deaths the were death premeditated. The was premeditated. The methods, but, I think, but, were not. Again, if you're not thinking of a method and how you're going to... How do you get away with not leaving any evidence? Like I said, I, I don't evidence. know what happened. Like, anybody. Like, even if it's, like, anyone who came in there with that violent and brutal of an attack left nothing... Like you see, That's like serial saying. killers who come in and who are process killers who come in, they purposely tie you down, kill you like certain ways, and mm-hmm. then leave mm-hmm. because they've done this before. Mm-hmm. They know what they're doing. This just seemed too messy. Messy, to, like it an has act, to be an image, an axe. This, the, yeah. the mode is an axe. So, like, it's so, you're right. No, so that's the only thing I don't like about this case is the fact that there's no forensic evidence. It makes me crazy that there isn't. And it makes me feel like there's a chance that this man is sitting in prison is innocent, but. There's also like what the timeline just works, and there are a lot of things with their timeline that they tried to say like, well, what what? If there's no cameras catching him on the throughway, mm-hmm. like, but it's just I'm like not, I'm not convinced if he is guilty that he did it by himself. I would I would agree he probably had an accomplice, but and because there's no cameras good enough to catch 
everyone. Right, it was con. clear. The accomplice. And none of, the, none of the toll collectors referenced another Again, co- you mentioned why not bring the accomplice. The accomplice can be dead. Well, that's also true, but then who would the accomplice be? Right. Because like, I'm sure a... it would have to be someone he knew. Because nobody... who Somebody even, who would want the money. He so, had the loan No, money. I'm saying anybody who... So for someone who exclusively communicates through email, mm-hmm. like, is now talking... They had all his phone records and stuff. It's not like they, they would... I'm sure they went through looking... I'm sure an accomplice was... Mm-hmm. Um, someone, so like was something on their radar so I'm thinking was it someone that he exclusively met and only spoke through when he saw them um, was it somehow through his eBay account like all these things with a snail mail like because I'm not sure how they track postage and all that stuff right, but right. I, I just it's, it's, it's going to frustrate everybody so no worries right there's so just something about the case where I'm just like there's a piece that's missing and it makes me crazy and I mean part of it um there, there was a lot of uh, speculation that Bodish had his own agenda when it came to, per, you know, making sure that Chris he was went, prosecuted. Right. So it's like there's all these things that um, that went into this case. Some things that were just floppy, some things that weren't. But what really threw me, and I really was drawn to this case, which sounds um, dark, just was the fact that Peter, yeah, like yeah. wakes, like comes to and just goes about his day, not realizing that you know he was like that's just wild to me like i've i've never seen or heard of cases like that where someone is such in shock from such an attack that they don't even acknowledge the fact that they've been brutalized so well it speaks to adrenaline and the power of adrenaline and what it could do i agree right it's like you and you're in survival modes when you like have you ever watched um i survived that show where they talk about like people who survived like really no but i know what i'll be doing tonight you have a lot of things so i'm gonna give you a list no, you need to do flower every, in the attic. Everyone, everyone gives so me a anything. list of things, and <laughs> I've got a list of at least seventy-eight things people have told me to watch. And Orphan Black and uh, Black Mirror are like came up seventy thousand times. You haven't done Black Mirror yet. I don't have y'all. People seem to think that I'm fake busy. I am not. I'm <laughs> I actually never very busy. You of being fake you don't, busy. but there, that's a why lot I of come people, with my coffee when I record because I know a lot of people are like, "Look, you you need to watch." I'm like, I know y'all have time, <laughs> but I promise you, I don't. And I'm not saying it because I don't want to watch it. I'm saying it because even when I get in bed and I turn on Netflix, I'm asleep within ten minutes. Mm-hmm. Like I finally, when I finally settle down and go Fair. to sleep, no, it's like one a.m. Um, but either way, guys, yeah, that's Chris Porco. Uh, that's how we do. Uh, if you guys have any cases you want us to go through or talk about um, that are, I remember I like them. I like them a little more messy than D does. Yeah. Um, you can Next email week us. we'll give you we'll give you an, an XL case. Sure. Um, I hope <laughs> not. Uh, <laughs> um, it's not gonna be Porco, and I mean I want it to be worse. So oh, I'm not gonna. No, I just I, I like <laughs> the research aspect of it, and I like being able to like listen to forensic psychologists and. Um, crime scene investigators talk about. I do like, appreciate like the that. newer cases because we have that. Yeah, there's we so much that, that goes into up. it. And I love that. Older cases. Um, so yeah, you can email us at whatdidyoudopod at gmail dot com if that was if that's something you guys want to do. You could tweet us cases. Um, I know several people have tweeted us um, a very recent case about a uh, a woman who just got arrested. Uh, I think it was last week for the murder of her husband, like ten years ago. Yeah. Yeah, so like oh, I was like, I'm definitely looking into this. We're looking. And it. she was way too calm while she was being arrested to not have done it. I was like, she did that shit. <laughs> <laughs> I know you said that to me. You're I was like, like she, she did it. <laughs> she did that shit. 100. 
uh, which is not fair. You know, guilt, innocent until proven guilty. But she looked like guilty. She was like, yeah, they got me. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, I would have gotten away with it too if it wasn't for these meddling, meddling kids. kids. Um, where can people find you on the internet? D underscore L-I-G-H-T four. There you so, go. Yeah, that almost didn't come out. Find me in three places. Snapchat, Twitter, Instagram. It's at Charnel B. It'll be in the show notes. You can find the show on Twitter and Instagram at What Did You Do Pod and on Facebook, www.facebook.com backslash What Did You Do. Don't forget to check out our merch. Don't forget to check out the Patreon. Um, links have really awesome rewards coming. Check it out. I'm really excited for the, um, for some, some of our listeners to do the Skype call because I like talking to strangers. I like, <laughs> I really do. I love meeting you know. people, people who pay attention to me every two weeks. Like, I would love to know who you are. Well, like, that was the best part of meeting Lola. Like, you yeah. know, like, you know, it's, it's surreal and it's crazy. Like, I'm really, like, you guys have no idea. Like, I love meeting people who listen to me. Like, it's just because I, I'm such trash that I, <laughs> I, I'm blown away. I want to know who finds me interesting. So it's like, no, I but also building well. community. Like, right. I would love, like, I I'm, think that's the best part. Yeah. When you know somebody's listening to you and they're, like, reacting to your stories and you could react back. I love doing that on like, And I want to know your stories. Like, I'm incredibly accessible. Like, ask anyone who tweets me. A meet. No, that's not true. Like, <laughs> I'm giving you my address. We're going to get food. Fine. <laughs> No, so to me, like I would love to do a Skype call. I would love to talk to people face to face. That's why I, the beautiful thing about Skype and things, like I would mm-hmm. love to be able to do that. Technology is great. Chat it gets with you, you guys. closer to the people that you listen to. All right, get yourself a free T-shirt mm-hmm. uh, one time. Uh, and <laughs> <laughs> I gotta specify that uh, one play gets you that one time. But yeah, check us out there. Um, and that's it. That's all I have uh, for Chris Porco. That's all I have for what did you do? Mm-hmm. Uh, I, again, once again, I, I appreciate you guys for listening. I appreciate the What Did You crew. You guys have been awesome. Yes. You guys have been, you know, you guys have been showing up. And again, don't forget, you know, so next real. week, um, that way you guys don't get sick of us. We will be uh, dropping a little bit of a, of a fun, we call them welfare checks. Mm-hmm. Just a little side kind of quest here if we were playing Zelda. Um, just a little <laughs> side, a little side piece to hold you over until the next uh, case drops, which I'm hoping again is... Um, this is a lot so, of this is a lot of pressure he's putting on me. Well, I'm just saying, pick a good one. Um, <laughs> I will. I'm, I've been really enjoying one now that I'm back in school and really ramping up and everything. I'm really enjoying the research side of things, um, just because it seems natural now. Um, so I yeah. mean, you could speak alone to the research, not I, not I. Well, you should too. So, <laughs> but anyway, guys, I don't I don't really have much else. The caffeine is wearing off. So until the next time that we talk and get kind of messy together just keep your hands clean take care of each other talk to you soon do soon